coming to the close of this series of messages on the uh, come to the cross. And if you'll turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter... Now, I've, I know it says two there, but that... Um, should be chapter one. I was going to preach on chapter two, and then I changed my mind, and I decided to uh, preach in chapter one. So that's where it should be, chapter one, I believe. Um, and uh, I think that'll get us where we're, we want to go here. Uh, we're going to uh, close this series with one more truth. Now, there could be more. That's why, you know, I was going to preach on chapter 2. There's another one I could, in chapter 2, uh, if you go at verses, um, uh, actually, 21 through 25, we could call it the cross of direction. But uh, uh, I decided to go back to chapter 1, and uh, uh, we've already looked at the, the instrument of peace, of power, of shame, of denial, glory, sacrifice, identification, and this morning, triumph. Uh, but I want to uh, look this evening at another truth, and that is the cross of, as an instrument of cleansing. And we've been singing about that, uh, the blood and uh, the fact that Christ shed his blood on the cross. Uh, the cross is where Jesus Christ uh, shed his blood for you and me, and we want to look at that this evening, the cross as an instrument of cleansing. Recently, I read about many years ago, in fact, this was uh, uh, back in some of your uh, era, some of you folks here, not Kenny and me, but uh, uh, some of these other folks here, not, not that uh, the Whitemans, maybe not even Jeff, We'll, we'll eliminate you, but we'll have, you know, this era of uh, some of the other folks here. <laughs> uh, but there was a, uh, a great religious service that was held in La, uh, San Francisco. It was called the Golden Gate Exposition. Actually, it was in the 1800s, so it every, eliminates everybody, okay? But uh, many people came to this uh Great Golden Gate Exposition, and uh, they listened to different speakers. But one speaker that got up and began to preach and or speak, we could say, uh, he was a gifted speaker. He began to direct his eloquence against the power of the blood of Christ, and uh, uh, it was related that his fluent oratory ended when a timid elderly lady stood up in the midst of the crowd and began to softly sing the hymn that we sang a little while ago by William Cooper. And uh, a hush fell over the assembly as they heard uh, these faint but familiar words, There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath the flood lose all their guilty stains. And by, before she could even begin the second stanza, approximately a hundred people stood up and joined her. And by the time she reached the third verse, nearly a thousand people were singing this great song of faith. And triumphant 
Thrilling strains rang out loud and clear. Dear dying lamb, thy precious blood shall never lose its power till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. And many were deeply moved as that humble believer stood up for her Lord and with the light of heaven upon her face gave that testimony that she had found peace through the blood of his cross. Now, we do live in a very sad hour, uh, a time, an hour in which many, both within and without churches, see no need for old-fashioned, Bible-centered, blood-bought salvation. They say things like, man doesn't need the blood in order to be saved. Uh, we live in a time when many of the mainline denominations have moved uh, to proclaiming a social gospel instead of the gospel that proclaims salvation through the blood of Christ. Some have even gone so far as to remove any song from their hymn books that has the word blood in it. And uh, one female theologian, it's not anything against our, 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 our women here, but uh, uh, one female theologian said, I don't think we need a theory of atonement at all. I don't think we need folks hanging on crosses and blood dropping and all that weird stuff. Well, I'm afraid it doesn't much matter what she or others would think. What matters is what God said. You see, just as a body emptied of blood becomes a corpse, so faith devoid of cleansing blood of Jesus is a dead faith. The blood is the bedrock of our faith and of our practice. In Christianity, the Bible, the gospel, our faith, apart from the blood, we're all dead. But thank God for the blood. I'm glad uh, I can report to you tonight that the blood is still there. Others may flee from the truth of a bloody salvation, but I will cling to the blood. Religion may decry and call it out of date and repulsive and barbaric, and yet I'm going to stick with the blood of Jesus. And uh, another great songwriter by the name of Robert Lowry wrote, "Nothing, Nothing But the Blood. And we'll sing that when we close our service tonight. But if you've, uh, you know that if you've trusted Jesus Christ, you've trusted in His blood shed for you and me on the on the cross. So let's just notice some things about nothing but the blood. Uh, nothing but the blood can, first of all, produce a savior. Now that was God's plan. Here in verse 20 of chapter 1, it says, uh, "For or who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. According to this verse, Jesus was foreordained before the world and was created to become the sacrifice for sin. We read over in Revelation chapter 13 and verse 8, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So that was God's plan. Nothing but the blood can produce a Savior. And that was God's plan. Secondly, we see God's product. 
He, you know, God accomplished many things. Jesus, in fact, accomplished many things while he was walking here on earth. Uh, he became God. Uh, God became flesh through Jesus. We find that uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, John 1.1. 1, 1. Uh, you read about it in Philippians chapter 2. Uh, and then we find that Jesus fulfilled many Old T Testament prophecies. Uh, there was the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14 about his virgin birth. Uh, there was the prophecy that he was going to be born in Bethlehem. That's found in Micah chapter 5 verse 2. Uh, he would be the seed of David, Jeremiah 23, 5. He would be a man of sorrows, Isaiah 53, verse 3. A man of compassion, Isaiah 42, 3. You know, his many miracles and uh, outreaches to fallen man. Thirdly, he lived a sinless life. Jesus never sinned. That was an accomplishment. Uh, he taught a better way to live. Uh, Matthew 5, he said, Ye have heard it said, but I say unto you. And he taught us how to live. Uh, Jesus zealously defended the truth of God. Remember uh, that time he cleansed the temple in John 2 and verse 15. Uh, he's always on the side of right and righteousness. And then he perfectly modeled God before men. You see, Jesus did many, many things, and John declares to the world is too small to hold all the books that would be written about his deeds in John 21, 25. And so that's the product of nothing but the blood can produce a Savior. It was God's plan. It was God's product. And thirdly, it was God's price. It was God's price. Jesus never became the actual Savior of men until he was on Calvary, nailed to the cross, and shed his precious blood. And he was held as of a great price, and especially dear. It isn't the life of Christ or his teachings that saves us. It's the blood because Hebrews 9.22 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. In his death on the cross, he became our Savior. So nothing but the blood can produce a Savior, because that was God's plan, and that was God's product, and that was God's price. Secondly, nothing but the blood can purchase the sinner. Here in this passage in 1 Peter, we find the blood declares redemption. Verse 18. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition from your fathers, but with what? The precious blood of Christ. Now the blood declares redemption. It says we've been redeemed. That's a word that means to, to free or to liberate by payment of a ransom. The blood declares redemption. Secondly, sinners need redemption. 
And we, uh, we were, and our sinners, we're told that uh, in Romans chapter 3 especially, and, and in Ephesians chapter 2, we became slaves to sin. We were lost and separated from God. And we were hell-bound and hopeless apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. Sinners need redemption. Christ's blood offers redemption. You see, the blood frees us from sin's power. Uh, That's what uh, it says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 14. It brings us into fellowship with the Father. It gives us peace and assurance It changes our eternal destiny. And again, uh, we could go through the book of Romans and see all these these things very clearly presented to us. And then only the blood fits men for heaven. Again, in some of my reading, I came across this. There was a great parliament of religions that was held in Chicago many years ago. Practically every known religion was represented. Uh, one by one, men, leading men arose and spoke, some for Buddhism, some for Confucianism, some for Hinduism, and others for Islam. And during one session, a Dr. Joseph Cook of Boston suddenly rose and said, Gentlemen, I beg to introduce to you a woman with great sorrow. Blood stains are on her hands, and nothing she has tried will remove them. There's the blood that is uh, that blood is that of murder. She's been driven to desperation in her distress. Is there anything your religion can do to remove her sin and give her peace? It was a hush that fell over the gathering, and not one of the company replied. And raising his eyes heavenwards, Doctor Cook cried out. John, can you tell this woman how to get rid of her awful sin? And the great preacher waited as as if he was listening for a reply, and then suddenly he said, Listen, John speaks. The blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sins. 1 John 1, 7. And with that, he sat down. There was not a soul that broke the silence. The representatives of those Eastern religions and the Western cults sat there as dumb. In the face of human need, the gospel of Jesus Christ alone can meet the need. The sin of the race demanded the blood of Calvary. And then only those saved can sing of this redemption. You know, the joy of knowing that you are eternally saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's only the saved that can sing that song. Nothing but the blood. Well, thirdly, nothing but the blood purifies from sin. Can purify from sin. Down at verse 22. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Here is a declaration that obedience to the truth of God's Word purifies the soul from sin. And this has always been a part of God's plan. Uh, You see it in Adam and Eve. When he provided the coats of skin after Adam and Eve sinned, 
it was the blood that had to be shed there in order for those skins to be prepared, right? Uh, there was Cain and Abel in Genesis 4. Had this sacrifice of the lamb versus the sacrifice of fruit. Blood had to be shed, and that was the sacrifice that was accepted. Uh, there was Noah after the flood. He uh, made a sacrifice on the altar. And when then, uh, when uh, God gave the guidelines for worship to the Jews, he demanded blood. You read about that in Leviticus. Under his new covenant, he hasn't changed his mind. Again, we refer to Hebrews 9.22, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And even with all the millions of, of gallons of blood that were shed over the many hundreds of years, you know, not one sin was cleansed away. They were only rolled up until the time when Jesus would go to the cross and shed his blood for our sins. Then that blood took care of sin. Religion can't do it. Good works can't do it. Wishful thinking can't do it. Heartfelt promises can't do it. But one trip to the old-fashioned altar can. And that's trusting in the shed blood of Christ. And then fourthly, nothing but the blood can preserve the saint. You see, what the blood does is a forever work. It guarantees us eternal security. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The blood gives security. You know, if good works is what I trust, what if I turn my good works turn bad? Uh, if I'm counting on being good, what if I go bad? You see, the blood promises absolute security in Jesus. John 10.28 talks about eternal life, and they shall never perish. Again, many years ago, I've got another illustration here that took place in the marketplace of Rotterdam, Holland. And there's an old house there that stands on a corner of the marketplace called the House of the Thousand Terrors. In the 16th century, King Philip of the second of, of uh, Spain ruled over Holland. And in his suppression of the Dutch, he tortured and he maimed and he imprisoned and he exiled thousands. And when the people rose up in defiance, he sent a Spanish army under the Duke of Alva to put down this rebellion. And the city of Rotterdam held out valiantly for some and then finally fell before the Spanish army, and the victors went from house to house, and they uh, were trying to get the, the citizens out, and, and many that they got out, they would uh, kill them in their houses. In one house, there was a group of men and women and children huddled together, a thousand terrors gripping their hearts as the Spanish soldiers approached. And suddenly, a young man had an idea. Taking a young goat belonging to the premises, he killed it, and then with a broom he swept the blood under the door of the house. And then they waited as the footsteps approached, and the Spaniards began banging at the door, and then one was heard to say, look, look at the blood running out from under the door. Let's come away, men. The work is done here already. 
A little later, the army withdrew, and that allowed a band of thankful people to emerge safe and sound. They lived because a goat had died. I think of another situation. It was the Boer Wars in South Africa. Several wounded British soldiers became trapped in depression and under heavy heavy fire from the enemy. In desperation, they used their own blood to paint a red cross on a piece of white cloth, and they tied it to a rifle and lifted it out of the hole. And there the enemy saw this gruesome symbol and had respect for it, and they turned away. After Napoleon's defeat at Waterloo, he would often paint or point to a red spot on the map that covered the area of Waterloo, and then he would say, if it were not for that one red spot, I would be emperor of the entire world. You see, Satan must spend a lot of time pointing to a red spot called Calvary. If it were not for that one red spot, I would be the owner of many more souls. But thank God for the red spot called Calvary. Only the blood of Jesus does a person find true eternal salvation. To be saved means to be rescued from all harm and danger. And if I'm in danger, then I'm not saved. If there's the slightest danger that I could lose my salvation, I'm not saved. Imagine a man drowning in the middle of a lake. If I would row out to him and give him a book on swimming and nothing more, he wouldn't be saved. If I tell him to swim harder, he wouldn't be saved. If I would drag him within 10 feet of the shore, he still wouldn't be saved. But when I get in the water, I lift him out and place him safely on the shore, then and then only would he be saved. And that's what Jesus has done. We're only saved in Christ. It's interesting in Colossians 3.3, it says we are hid with Christ in God. We are hid with Christ in God. That's a double wall of protection. Hid with Christ in God. And then finally, nothing but the blood can promise salvation. Only the blood of Jesus offers anyone any hope whatsoever of salvation. The blood has never and will never lose its saving power. Its power is still available available today to the many lost of our community, of our family, of our country, of many in this world. Many years ago, a well-known evangelist preached on the text, The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. 1 John 1.7 And after the service, a stranger asked the evangelist to walk home with him, and he, adv- he was advised against it by the church officials they, who knew this man. The evangelist went with the man anyway. And using uh, or ushering the preacher into the rear of the building, the stranger locked the door. He put a key in his pocket and said, Now don't be afraid, I'm not going to hurt you. I just want to ask you a few questions. He said, Do you believe what you preach tonight? 
The evangelist said, I most certainly do. The man continued, well, we're in the back of a saloon. I'm the sole proprietor. Mothers come in here. They lay their babies on the counter. They beg me not to sell liquor to their husbands. I turn a deaf ear to their cry. We see it when a man leaves here. He's well under the influence. More than one night, a man leaving here has been killed by the express on the tracks. Preacher, tell me, can God forgive a man like me? Evangelist replied, I have but one authority. The word of God says, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. Well, that's not all. The man said, in another room, we run a gambling hall. If a man doesn't spend his money on liquor, we bring him back here, and with marked cards, we see to it that he's fleeced of every dollar he has. We send him home penniless to a hungry family. Preacher, I'm the sole owner of this uh, this place. Tell me honestly, can God forgive a man like that? Again, the evangelist replied, I have but one authority. The word of God says, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanseth us from all sin. The man spoke again, that's not all. Across the street is my home where I live uh, where my uh, where I live, and my wife and little daughter lives there. Neither one has had a kind word from me for five years. Their bodies bear marks of my brutal attacks upon them. Preacher, do you think God can forgive a man with a heart like that? Again, the evangelist's head lowered and his eyes filled with tears, and he said, My friend, you have painted one of the darkest pictures I have ever gazed upon, but I still have one authority which says, The blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. The man opened the door, ushered the preacher into the night, and then never left that room till daybreak, not before ripping up all the decks of cards and pouring all the contents of the bottles down the sink, And across the road at home, he sat in his living room. His little girl called, Daddy, Mother says breakfast is ready. And when he answered the little girl kindly, she ran back to Mother and said, Daddy spoke kindly to me. Something's the matter. The mother followed the little girl to the living room, and the man beckoned them both, taking one on each knee. He explained to their amazement that they had a new husband and a new daddy. He ended, I'm done with that business across the street. And the man later became a, a member and then a leader in a local church. And when asked to tell his life, how his life changed, he would reply, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth from all sin. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make you whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Aren't you thankful for the blood tonight? The cross is an instrument of cleansing. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for dying on the cross and shedding your blood 
that we might have new life, we might be cleansed of our sin. And we thank you, Lord, for this great truth tonight. And we pray, Lord, that you'll help us to be mindful of it even as we go about our our lives day by day. Uh, We thank you, Lord, for this, this truth. Bless it to our hearts now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Take your songbooks, turn